The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Today's episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer is sponsored in part by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, and Onyx. October, as most people know, is widely recognized as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, As the official Breast Cancer Awareness Month color, we see pink nearly everywhere we go this month to help raise awareness for this disease, which is diagnosed in about 1 in 8 U.S. women and 1 in 1,000 U.S. men every year. However, what, what lots of people don't know is that October 13th, is Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day. About 155,000 people are currently estimated to be living with metastatic or stage 4 breast cancer in the U.S., meaning that the cancer has spread to other parts of the body. We are joined today by three guests who are here to help us understand more about metastatic breast cancer, how you can feel empowered to live with the disease, and why raising awareness of metastatic breast cancer is so important, not just on October 13th or all month long, but frankly, every day of the year. So joining us today, we have Shirley Mertz, board president of the Metastatic Breast Cancer Network, MBCN, a nonprofit patient advocacy group dedicated to educating, empowering, and advocating for the women and men living with metastatic breast cancer. Shirley has been a member of MBCN since 2007 and board president since 2012. Shirley has been living with metastatic breast cancer since 2003. Shirley, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Kim. I'm so thrilled about your show. And then also joining us, we have Stacey Lewis, Chief Program Officer and Deputy Chief Executive of the Young Survival Coalition, a global organization dedicated to addressing the issues unique to young women who are diagnosed with breast cancer. We're happy to have you here, Stacey. Kim, thank you so much for inviting me in Young Survival Coalition. We're honored to be here. Also with us today is Khadija Carter. Khadija was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer in 2003 and has been affiliated with the Young Survival Coalition. In 2010, Khadija was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer and has used her story to inspire others. In 2013, she obtained her graduate degree in journalism from Columbia University, congratulations, and is currently a health and wellness reporter for Ebony.com. Thanks for being here, Khadija. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be a part of the discussion. Well, we have a lot to cover today, ladies, so I'm, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to start with you, Shirley. Um, for our listeners, uh, we may have some folks listening today who may not be familiar with metastatic breast cancer. 
Uh, can you tell us what metastatic breast cancer is and what makes it different from earlier or other stages of the disease? Yes, I think that's a real important place to start. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, metastatic breast cancer means that cells, cancer cells from the breast, have traveled to other parts of the body, uh, usually the bone or lungs, liver or brain. Um, and the cells get to other parts of the body by way of our bloodstream or our lymph nodes. Uh, we don't know exactly why, but uh, it does happen. Um, this disease is different uh, than early stage disease, uh, where it is uh, early stage disease is confined to the breast. And uh, our challenge for those of us uh, who live with metastatic breast cancer is that our disease is incurable. People die from metastatic breast cancer, unlike early stage breast cancer, where the treatment aim is to cure the person of their disease. Um, right now, there is no cure uh, for. Uh, metastatic breast cancer, and the goal is to try to extend our life as long as possible while uh, helping us live the highest quality of life that we can. So, Shirley, so that's a great uh, kind of a, a foundation for us to start our discussion and to, to begin to educate all of us here. Um, so tell us a little bit about how uh, is the diagnosis of metastatic breast cancer treated versus, let's say, early stages of breast cancer? What are the, what are the sort of notable differences? Well, I, that's a real key question because I think during, especially during the month of October, uh, many people get the idea that breast cancer is one disease. And it's really many diseases, both at uh, the early stage and at the metastatic uh, or advanced stage. And because there are different subtypes of metastatic breast cancer, there are different treatments. I guess the most common thing I could say or the thing that uh, makes them all uh, similar is that they are all aimed at what is making the breast cancer grow. So different types, subtypes receive different treatments. And uh, I think a key, along with your question about treatment, is the fact that for metastatic breast cancer patients, they are in constant treatment. Um, and for example, in my case, um, I've been in treatment now for 11 years. There, there just is no end because uh, we don't know how to cure it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think an important understanding for sure. Um, Khadija Carter, let me pull you into the conversation here. Um, so how, so our listeners can understand, how is metastatic breast cancer um, usually diagnosed? Is someone first diagnosed with breast cancer um, and then we figure out that they might have metastatic or stage of the disease, or can you walk us through some of those steps? Right. Metastatic uh, disease is usually diagnosed when breast cancer has reoccurred months or years after treatment for early-stage breast cancer, although approximately 6 to 10% of people are initially diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. So if a woman exhibits some symptoms, after she's been treated with early-stage breast cancer, for me, I had um, a persistent cough. So mm -hmm. I went to my doctor, and they, um, they conducted a chest X-ray, and then they saw multiple tumors and a blood clot. So that's when I had a biopsy, and that's when he determined that I had metastatic disease at that point. Okay. So and we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about Khadija's story and... and um, uh, and her journey, but I, I want to get uh, Stacy to the core, core of some of these uh, questions that I know folks are asking. Um, Stacy, are there any risk factors 
for this particular diagnosis of metastatic breast cancer? What do we know about it? Does it strike people of a certain age? Can it happen at any age? What do we know? What do we know about metastatic disease? Great question, Kim. I think what we know from having both Shirley and Khadija um, as part of this great call is that it can unfortunately happen at any age. And while less young women are diagnosed um, with breast cancer as well as metastatic breast cancer, uh, the reality is unfortunately that younger women um, are dying at an increased rate when compared to the general breast cancer population. So in brief, you know, when you look at the, uh, what they call affectionately the five-year survival rate, um, the general breast cancer population uh, is doing slightly better than the population of, of young women diagnosed with breast cancer. So, um, unfortunately, age is not a barrier, uh, and more and more women, uh, or too many women, are being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Khadija, take us back for a moment to to when you were diagnosed uh, with breast cancer. Give us a little more of that history. How old were you? When were you diagnosed? How old were you when you were diagnosed? And and, uh, just give us a little bit of background there. Right. I was initially diagnosed when I was 28 years old in 2003. I was stage 3A. I had a mastectomy and eight rounds of chemotherapy, and I was on tamoxifen for two years. But because of some of the side effects to tamoxifen, I stopped taking it. All of my scans prior to being diagnosed with metastatic disease were clear, but as I mentioned earlier, in 2010, I had a persistent cough, and when I went to the doctor, the chest x-ray showed a blood clot and multiple tumors. So that's pretty much my story. And so since since that time, since 2010, what's been the uh, kind of the course of your treatment and your care? I've been on three different uh, chemotherapy treatments because um, the first one I, tried, I, I, I was on, it stopped working at some point, so the tumors started to uh, grow a bit more. And then the second chemotherapy, meant, um, we were able to stabilize the disease for about a year and a half, and then I didn't have a good reaction to it anymore, response mm-hmm. to it anymore. And the one that I'm on now, I've been on it for a little over a year and a half, and we've been, the tumors have been shrinking, so that's really good news. So we're just going to stay on it, stay on it until further notice. Yeah, that is good news. I'm, I'm certainly glad to hear that that's the case. Um, Shirley, we've got a couple minutes until our first break here, but um, you uh, said that you've been living with metastatic disease for 11 years, which sounds like, to me, an extraordinary amount of time. Um, so it sounds to me like you're beating the odds. How many different chemos have you had in that, uh, in that time? Well, uh, I think my, I've had one chemo and, um, I think that the difference, the contrast between Khadija and myself is that, um, for my subtype, there was a, um, a targeted therapy that was coupled with chemotherapy that helped, um, reduce my metastatic, um, burden um, and I think that's a, a key point that we may discuss later is that as we could, if we do more research, we can find more targeted treatments, and by that I mean treatments that attack the cancer cells and leave the rest of the good cells in our body alone so that we can uh, have a better quality of life and be treated longer because it really is the chemotherapy 
that, um, you know, hurts our quality of life and makes us tired and fatigued. Um, I might add, too, that the, the problem with risk factors, going back to the other question, is that we just don't know what causes cells to leave the breast. And if we did know, not only could this help Khadija and I, uh, with our treatments, our future, but it could really help people who have early stage breast cancer because then uh, scientists and clinicians might know how to stop metastatic breast cancer from occurring. So that's our hope for the future. Great. And I do want to make sure uh, that we take some time during the show today to dive a little bit deeper, um, surely, on uh, that idea of targeted treatment and the fact that breast cancer is not one disease, it's many uh, different diseases. And so to invest in the research and to understand that and be able to develop treatments that are targeted for these different types of breast cancer, uh, I think is critical. So I want to make sure we take some time uh, to do that today because I think it's, um, I think it's very enlightening. We're, we're raising awareness uh, on the show today of metastatic breast cancer. Um, we have a lot that we need to cover. And um, we have October 13th uh, as, as Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day, uh, in the month of October, which we know is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we really want to bring light uh, specifically to the issue of metastatic breast cancer and awareness of metastatic disease today. Um, I am joined today by three terrific guests, Shirley Mertz, Stacy Lewis, and Khadijah Carter. Um, we have a lot that we want to cover on the show today. Don't go away. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and I'm Kim T. Bolden. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MagnoliaB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Hi, 
I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. This episode is being brought to you in part today by Azi, Genentech, and Amgen. We're here today with Shirley Mertz, Stacey Lewis, and Khadijah Carter talking about metastatic breast cancer. In our first segment, we talked a little bit about uh, the diagnosis, uh, who is at risk, um, and uh, learned a little bit about uh, uh, both Shirley's story and Khadijah's story. I want to take some time now uh, to talk about some of the unique challenges that come with living with a chronic disease like metastatic breast cancer. We heard that uh, Shirley, as an example, has been living with metastatic breast cancer for, um, for 11 years. Um, and so we can imagine there are some unique uh, challenges that uh, that come along with dealing with an illness over uh, over a course of, of many years. Um, Khadijah, let me start with you. As someone living with metastatic breast cancer, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, what that means for you in your journey with breast cancer? What are the challenges that you face, both you know physical challenges, uh, practical challenges, psychological challenges? Um, if you could share a little bit with us uh, of what it's like to be living with metastatic disease, we'd certainly love to hear more from you. Sure. As I mentioned earlier, I'm doing really well on my current chemotherapy treatment. So physically, I don't have any problems with my breathing, but having to deal with cancer every day of my life can be challenging emotionally. It's something I think about every day something that I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about, spreading the awareness. And there are many positive aspects to that, to encourage other women who are going through treatment and to educate the public about it. But at the same time, I've been dealing with this disease since I was 28 years old. I was a young woman with a young daughter who was seven years old at the time. So from that time until now, she's had to deal with the ups and downs of this disease with me. Um, I'm, and I really find that my loved ones don't necessarily understand the metastatic aspect in the terms of, in the sense of, I'm still going through treatment because when I initially went through treatment in 2003, I had eight rounds of chemotherapy and then it was over. Mm-hmm. And now I have to go monthly for my treatment. And I don't tell people all the time when I'm going for my, my treatments, but if they check in with me sometimes and they, and they ask me, well, what are you doing today? And I'm like, well, I'm going to have chemotherapy. And they're surprised sometimes because mm-hmm. they don't understand the nature of this disease that is an ongoing, that I have to undergo ongoing treatment for the rest of my life more than likely. So I think it's, it's challenging sometimes trying to um, educate your loved ones about this, with that, this disease without scaring them um, that you, you're, you know, you're still dealing with this disease every day. Yeah, yeah. And your daughter is how old now? 17, 18? 17. 
she's, eight, she's 17 now, and unlike when she was seven years old, she didn't fully understand what cancer meant. Yes. Right? Yes. So mm-hmm. this time around when I was diagnosed uh, four years ago, and I told her, she said, oh, Mommy, you'll be okay. You'll beat it like you did before. And mm-hmm. I believe that. However, we, we know that um, it's possible I could die from this disease. I don't stress that to her too much, but I, I just... Mm-hmm try to encourage her to, um, you know, that we just enjoy our, our lives together at this point. And mm-hmm. I just don't want to overwhelm her with the possibilities of the unknown, because that's what it is. And Khadija, I'm sure for every person it's, it's different, but having that knowledge in your mind, how does it affect you every day? Do you, do, is there a little kind of element of fear in the back of your mind? Has it motivated you to live life to the fullest? Has it, I mean, what are the different I- impacts, would you say, for you? And, 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 uh, and you know, how has it affected your life and your choices? It's been a little bit of both. As you mm-hmm. mentioned during the intro, I actually went to graduate school in 2011 and got my degree in 2013. And that really uh, pushed me. It pushed me to uh, continue dreaming because I, I always wanted to pursue journalism. And although I'm, I've been dealing with this, the, lo- the looming uh, thought of, I guess, my mortality in the back of my mind, I still have decided to live, to move forward. Uh, but there are some days, as I mentioned earlier, where it's just, it's more, it's, I don't really live, I don't live in fear, but it's just more of an annoying uh, aspect of my life that I have to think about it or go to the doctor sometimes. But I try to remain as positive as I can and just move forward. That's yeah. really how I, how I operate. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, and again, I think that every per, uh, person surely probably um, approaches this differently or has different emotional um, reactions. You've obviously had your own experience with metastatic breast cancer over these 11 years, and you've been involved with with, uh, with MBCN. What, what are some of the daily, daily issues that you've dealt with because of your diagnosis, and how do you cope with that? And are there, you know, other reactions that you see in other women that you, you know, perhaps want to share where you've seen some sort of themes that have arisen through living with metastatic disease? Well, uh, I think that Katija uh, really eloquently spoke about the challenges that we all face, the the physical, the family, the mental, the emotional. Um, And I think why that's so important to share uh, is that uh, our families and our other early-stage breast cancer patients don't understand why we go through treatment and then we're, there isn't, you know, we're done. And um, my experience, I have been very blessed to live 11 years, but the reality is that 40, approximately 40,000 women and men die every year and that, uh, of, of breast cancer, uh, metastatic breast cancer, and that figure hasn't changed much in the last two decades, and that really computes, if you did it, divided it out to 108 people every day lose their life to metastatic breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. So, you know, when we take into account that our treatment never ends, it's hard to explain that to uh, people, and I, I think what i found, both for me and my family, is that my anxiety goes in waves. I'm doing well, but then the next scan is coming up. And I'm concerned about that. Will it show anything? Uh, you know, how, you know, so you wait, you get the results, and if it's fine, then you continue with treatment. I still sit in a treatment chair for an infusion every three weeks, even though I've been living 11 years with this. Uh, so it's scan, 
uh, then it's treat based on the scan, and then in three more months, it's repeated. So scan, treat, repeat. And sometimes families can only handle so much, and um, sometimes the public, you know, again, well, I know it's not sometimes. The public just doesn't understand the complexities of metastatic breast cancer. And I guess I would say, finally, that if, if there was better awareness about metastatic breast cancer, I think people, especially those with early stage, and I was, like Khadija, an early stage patient once, we would say, wait a minute, we need more research to prevent people from getting into this metastatic arena. Uh, mm-hmm. If we can do it for AIDS, we can do it for breast cancer. And so um, I think all of those issues point to um, a need for more research and more help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stacy, I can imagine... Uh, you know, I think what Khadija and Charlie are saying is really, um, I, I just think it's really intense. And again, a lot of these, a lot of folks with breast cancer or, you know, early or other cancers, early stage cancer, we treat it for a few weeks, a few months. Uh, folks have good results, they're cured, and then they, um, you know, they're sort of on their way. Obviously, we continue to monitor those patients, but these are patients who are dealing with this disease for, for, for weeks, for months, for years, for, for, for uh, uh, even more than a decade. And in Shirley's case, I imagine it really can impact um, the, the relationship with the healthcare team, Stacey, and, and the importance of being able to communicate with your healthcare team about these issues, about these emotions, about the anxieties that folks face. And I imagine that the relationship with the healthcare team is different than folks who maybe are just in treatment for, for a few months. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things listening to both Shirley and Khadija is that you can hear quality of life is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that communication with the healthcare provider is critical. And it's not simply about uh, the treatment or the side effects that the treatment may be having or the potential side effects, but it really is about um, how do we better best manage the psychosocial aspect of living with this chronic disease and the fact that you have this increased sense of isolation because of this diagnosis and really wanting to ensure that, you know, that we are treating the whole patient um, instead of just the cancer, that that communication piece is critical. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I imagine, Shirley, just quickly, we've got just a minute or two before our break here, but I can imagine, Shirley, that what you're describing, this scan, treat, repeat um, idea, I can imagine getting ready for those scans and going in for some women can really be psychologically debilitating. Um, You know, I can imagine for some women it's really important to find counseling, support services, and really the tools to to manage that fear and, and, and anxiety. Oh, absolutely, and I think there's two things there. We we need emotional support for uh, us, but uh, individually, and each of us handles uh, you know this this journey differently. But I strongly suggest uh, when I meet patients that they consider looking uh, seeking out help from a social worker or uh, a trusted advisor, whether it be through their church or whatever, to cope with the personal anxiety that they're feeling and how, you know, whether it's through spiritual or uh, meditation or other ways to deal with that daily anxiety. And then the second part of support, I think, is seeking out other patients. I mean, I met personally Khadija once at a recent event. She met me, and there was a bond immediately. We didn't have to explain Mm -hmm. to each other what metastatic disease is because we were living it. And I have to tell you, in the first year 
well, a year and a half that I was metastatic, newly diagnosed, I never met another metastatic patient. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, and I thought, well, that's because they all die real quickly. So, I mean, having a support group, whether it's online or a personal support group in your community, is so important to helping on this journey of metastatic disease. Yeah, it's such a good point, Shirley. I think so important to to uh, emphasize that, the, the importance of getting people connected. We're going to take a quick break here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about metastatic breast cancer. Uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we want to talk after the break about the importance of raising awareness for metastatic breast cancer October and, uh, frankly, throughout the year. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our episode today is being brought to you in part by AstraZeneca, Millennium, the Takeda Oncology Company, and Purdue Pharma. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and we're talking about metastatic breast cancer. Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day is coming up on October 13th, so I want to focus this segment and the discussion now on the importance of raising awareness of this disease in addition to breast cancer 
uh, as a whole. And again, we look back on the sort of history of breast cancer. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, where really I think we're making important strides uh, in recognizing uh, not only all breast cancer, but certainly the specific issues around metastatic breast cancer. Um, Stacey, I want to start with you. Um, in your work at uh, at, at uh, YSC, and maybe you can tell a little the, our folks a little bit about what you do there. Um, I know that you deal with people impacted by both early stage and metastatic breast cancer. Um, you know, during October, do you see differences in awareness levels of early stage breast cancer versus late stage? What are some of these um, differences, and how are you, as an organization, sort of approaching the importance of raising awareness of all breast cancer, including metastatic breast cancer? Sure, Kim. Um, YSC is focused on uh, young women that have been diagnosed with breast cancer, so that non-traditional population of women diagnosed at 40 and under. And for us, during the month of October, you know, really, as as Shirley said, there's been some great successes, um, and many of them compared to the AIDS movement. Um, you know, so now there's a lot of pink, there's a lot of hooray and, and survivorship celebrated, and that's all fantastic. And at the same time, um, we are all dealing with the reality that many of our women, young, old, in between, are dying from metastatic breast cancer and really trying to utilize the opportunity that Breast Cancer Awareness Month presents um, to highlight the issue that many women face in living with metastatic breast cancer, to highlight the need for more research, and to highlight um, awareness of metastatic breast cancer, that, that it is different, um, and that the issue, the um, support needs, um, the women themselves, the people, uh, need a level of awareness that just hasn't happened yet. We'll keep working on it, but it hasn't happened yet. So so let's pull uh, Shirley and Khadija into that. And Shirley, I want to just start with you. Again, you're the board president of the Metastatic Breast Cancer Network. So again, take a minute or two to tell us about your organization, um, you know, really why the organization was formed. Obviously, you know, you've honed in on a very specific um, need. And, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do as an organization to really use October to raise awareness of, of metastatic breast cancer. And then, you know, Khadija, I'd love to, to hear from you as well about, you know, how can we use all this awareness, this pink, this awareness in October to also bring awareness to metastatic breast cancer. But Shirley, let me start with you. Sure. Uh, our organization uh, was founded in 2004 because two women who had metastatic disease went to an early stage breast cancer group thinking they would get some support there and they ultimately were asked not to come back because their story scared the other patients. So um, gradually they decided to create an organization which became the Metastatic Breast Cancer Network and we are all about educating, empowering and advocating on behalf of women and men with the disease. And one of the things, uh, our key piece came in 2009 when we, uh, 12 metastatic patients traveled to D.C., and we were able to get Congress unanimously to declare October 13th as Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day, which gave us then one day in October to be recognized, um, which leads me, I think, to your very important question about how do we raise awareness. And what our organization invites and encourages patients to do is to use their story and their voice to build metastatic awareness. P- 
People remember stories. They learn from stories. And everybody who is metastatic has their story, and something in their story can teach others, whether it's like Khadija's story where she was very uh, struck by this disease very young, and that has great implications for her life, or in my case where I thought I was, my early stage was, taken care of. I had it in 91, and I went 12 years and didn't come back. So those are two important pieces that you can use to teach other people. So we urge, our organization urges people, take your story and your voice to walks for cancer, breast cancer, take them to your church meetings, to your workplace, tell your story and be proud of who you are. Do not be embarrassed. You didn't do anything to get this disease. But without building awareness, we can't get better results. So uh, story and voice. And, and Shirley, do you think that, um, again, I imagine there's a range of reaction, but do you think that those in the metastatic breast cancer community, do, do, do folks embrace the pink? Do they reject the pink? Do they, I know there's a lot of talk during yeah. October about, you know, cure um, yeah. You know, and I know that you're, again, you represent a population of women who will not be cured from mm-hmm. breast cancer. You know, just a, a quick, I don't want to get too political here, no, but I, it, you I know, don't just mind a quick answering. reaction about the pink. Yeah, I don't mind answering that question because I think that pink, the, the movement of the late 80s um, into the early 90s was what brought uh, breast cancer awareness out in the open to be discussed. And the pink ribbon did that, okay? And the pink, the pinkness does raise money for breast cancer, which uh, because of all the money, the majority of the money, uh, research dollars, has improved the lives of early stage patients. There are people who will never get breast cancer again after their early stage. So that's the good news. I, I, I'm, I applaud that. Um, so I'm, I'm not a pink basher, but I do say to people, when you give money to an organization, ask them, how are you... How are you spending the money I'm giving you, or ask the question, what are you doing about the stage of breast cancer that kills? Are you trying to improve that for young women, older women, men? Uh, I th- I, so I think it's important to raise questions. Um, we don't focus, our organization is not focused on pink. Um, we just want to focus on the disease, its characteristics, and moving forward, uh, how can we transform uh, the outcomes in the clinic so that all people could live 20 or 30 years with the disease mm-hmm. like people who have HIV AIDS today can. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's what it's about. Those, I think those are all, all good points, Shirley. Well taken. Um, Khadija, what are, what are your thoughts about October, about the pink movement? You know, is this an opportunity to elevate the conversation also about metastatic breast cancer, using that as a foundation or a launching pad? You know, what's, what's your reaction? I agree with Shirley. It's important for uh, women with metastatic breast cancer to share our stories with others, to educate our loved ones and the public. I don't feel differently about pink or Breast Cancer Awareness Month because I'm still part of the community. I just have a different experience with breast cancer. I have a different face of breast cancer. And while I have a lot of challenges with ongoing treatment, I believe that Again, once we educate people about this disease and help to remove and try to remove some of the fear out of uh, talking about the mortality that's associated with metastatic breast cancer, 
I know in the past, when I, before I was diagnosed with uh, metastatic breast cancer, I was asked a lot by the media to speak about young women and breast cancer. But they never wanted to hear uh, um, the, the darker sides of even my early um, breast cancer diagnosis stories. They wanted to hear about the positive um, aspects of it. But the reality is that we do have, we have good days and we have the bad days. But I think it's important for the media to understand what metastatic breast cancer is. And that's one thing that I'm seeking to do as a journalist is to write human interest stories and include some stories about women with breast cancer. And it's not just about breast cancer. Who are these people in general? And breast cancer is just a part of who they are. Because that's, that's how I've been able to embrace it. I'm Khadija Carter. I'm a mother. I'm a singer. I'm a writer. And I also have metastatic breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not letting it consume you, not letting it define you. No. Yeah. Um, Shirley, we've got a couple minutes until the break, but I just want to—I uh, want to touch back to something we talked about earlier in the show, and that really is about research and research in early stage versus late stage cancer. You know, just give me a quick—you know—what needs to be done in terms of research for people living with metastatic breast cancer to improve outcomes, to improve quality of life, to you know really focus there. Well, I think first of all, people need to realize that only approximately seven percent of all research dollars for breast cancer go to are focused on metastatic breast cancer and that is pathetically too small it has to we have to relook that um, so we need research dollars focused on metastatic breast cancer um, one of the things we mentioned before are what causes uh, patients to metastasize if we knew that not only could we help the early stage breast cancer people who I know feel anxiety I mean they think you know, oh, will it come back? So that would help them. And mm-hmm. that knowledge, I think, would have uh, some very important um, uh, strategies for helping those of us who do have metastatic disease. Uh, the research now is aimed at some key areas. Uh, one b- big subtype of metastatic disease is triple negative breast cancer. And that subtype um, uh, doesn't have a real targeted therapy. So women uh, and men are, are in constant uh, treatment with chemotherapy, and that's tough. So that, that's a big issue. Um, other uh, research is looking at could we have a drug that would just contain the metastatic breast cancer in the body so it wouldn't grow out any further. So it's not about like an early stage where you shrink a tumor. It's more like uh, developing something like, uh, like we know of with diabetes. No one gets uh, cured of diabetes, but the medicine keeps you from having further problems that could kill you or go blind or uh, cause your leg to be amputated. So, uh, and then, you know, we're looking at new things uh, with genetics, uh, genomic uh, sequencing. I don't want to get too technical, but mm-hmm. using one's immune system mm-hmm. to fight back the cancer. Uh, these are all great possibilities, but to, uh, to do that, we need to support scientists and clinicians to say, hey, we're going to study uh, metastatic breast cancer uh, towards changing outcomes. Great, great. I think all good, all good points, and I think a lot of good education for, for uh, everyone listening in today. Um, we've got more to cover uh, on the show today. We've got uh, Shirley Mertz, Stacey Lewis, and Khadija Carter with us today talking about metastatic breast cancer, some of the unique challenges, uh, that women face with metastatic breast cancer. We're talking about um, the importance of of coping with the disease, the importance of psychosocial support, um, connecting with other 
folks who are going through the same thing and the importance of investing more in research and in, uh, in engineered therapies for metastatic disease. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We've got more to cover on the show today. We're just going to take a quick break uh, here, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional Emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our episode today is being brought to you in part by McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Morphotech. I want to close out our show today by talking about available resources uh, and finding emotional and social support in the face of a, a breast cancer diagnosis. Um, just want to remind folks that, that uh, at the Cancer Support Community, we've got 50 centers around the country where we provide support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction for people with all cancers at all stage of illness, including folks with metastatic breast cancer. Um, we've also got a helpline. We've got a great online community. So I want to encourage people to visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org to find the support that you need, whether it's in person, online, uh, over the phone. We've got a lot of great uh, resources uh, to help folks who are facing metastatic breast cancer and all cancers. Um, Khadija, how important has connecting with others, um, particularly those with metastatic cancer, been to you on your, your cancer journey? In what ways has that helped you? 
as Shirley mentioned earlier, when we met each other a couple of months ago, there was an instant connection. There were other panelists at this event who uh, either they were uh, early stage breast cancer survivors or just healthcare providers. But Shirley and I were able to connect because we understand what this disease means. I think sometimes you can encounter people with early stage breast cancer who they, I, I, personally, I don't like to share too much about where, where I'm at with them unless I feel like they're ready for it because I don't want to overwhelm someone else with what I'm going through because mm-hmm. I would speak to a lot of newly diagnosed women. But as I said, connecting with someone, someone who understands what I'm going through is, is really helpful. And also, I've gone through therapy also to speak to someone about the different emotions and um, sometimes the fears that I've experienced throughout this whole uh, breast cancer journey. And one of the other um, uh, ways I've found support was through my, my church. I think spiritual support has, spiritual, mm-hmm. that's been my style is a lot, going to church and just having faith. And um, just having faith has helped me to sustain my, my emotions throughout this journey. Mm. You know, um, Stacy, you're with a, a you know YSC Young Survivor uh, group. Um, I certainly know that we, we live today in a very digitally connected world, and I imagine, in particular, younger people who are facing cancer are connecting a lot more through the internet, through digital uh, means, through social media. Do you see that at um, at YSC that that uh, that connection through digital means? Absolutely, Kim. I think, you know, what we're seeing at Young Survival Coalition is that the need to connect is is just as uh, profound as both Khadijah and Shirley shared. Um, they're connecting one-on-one through our Survivor Link program where they can call and be matched with another young woman like themselves. Uh, many young women living with metastatic disease are connecting through our face-to-face groups. We have about uh, almost 90 across the country, and some of them are focused uh, or only young women with metastatic disease uh, through our online video virtual program, which to your point, you know, this digital age of technology, uh, being able to see each other through the computer, regardless of where they are geographically, um, for many has been extremely profound. Uh, and yet there are still some that are, that are benefiting and prefer um, those printed resources. We have a metastatic navigator, uh, and, and they're truly um, learning and walking through the experience using tools like that. I think um, we also have our national summit coming up in March and have some very specific uh, special sessions focused on our population of young women living with metastatic breast cancer and their co-survivors. And I think what we have to do as an organization is really tackle the many, many ways that uh, women are looking to connect and engage and learn and be empowered, and it still happens in a diversity of ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as we get towards the end of the show, Stacy, how can folks find you guys at YSC? Absolutely. They can email us at info at youngsurvival.org. They can always call 877-972-1011. And, of course, you can visit us on the web at youngsurvival.org. And and just want to be clear, survival, S-U-R-V-I-V-A-L, survival. Exactly. Great. I want to make sure folks who are writing down these notes are are getting that. Yeah, absolutely. And Shirley, as we get towards the end of the show, 
Um, just again, for those maybe joining us now, uh, just a word about um, Metastatic Breast Cancer Network. What can folks find if they visit you and how can they get to you? Well, first of all, my hat's off to both the cancer support community and the Young Survival Coalition. I, we have great respect for both of your organizations. You indeed have cared about the metastatic community, and we thank you. Um, our organization can be reached at mbcn.org. Uh, we are online. Uh, we have uh, all kinds of facts and information for both patients and caregivers, um, we, too, have a guide for those who have been newly diagnosed for metastatic breast cancer, which we will either send to uh, people who want a copy, hard copy, or it can be downloaded. Um, we have questions to ask the doctor, uh, replays from our annual conferences uh, that feature uh, comprehensive cancer uh, People who are uh, doctors and experts on the disease, uh, talking about treatments and um, getting support. And um, we also explain how you, if you want to do awareness activities, we have some little kits online that tell you how to go about advertising, uh, I shouldn't say advertising, but trying to get the word out uh, about the disease. And uh, we are happy to send um, things to you. Uh, we have a great T-shirt, so I hope you would take a look um, at our resources. And we also have a list, finally, of... Um, uh, communities that have actually metastatic support groups. Um, we compiled a list across the country, and that might be helpful to people who are looking for something in that regard. So thank you Terrific. for the opportunity to share that. Absolutely terrific. And just quickly, Khadija, as we're getting here to the uh, to the very end of our show, just a, a quick word of uh, advice for someone who's just been, been uh, diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. I would just advise you to learn as much as you can about your different options from your doctors and to uh, reach out to support groups because it's important to connect with other women who can understand where you are. And don't give up. Just keep embracing your life and moving forward with whatever you have, um, whatever you want to pursue, but just take care of yourself in the process. Great. So terrific input, terrific advice. Um, I want to thank uh, I want to thank our guests today. Uh, I want to thank Shirley Mertz from the Metastatic Breast Cancer Network. Um, yes, uh, agreed, Shirley. A great partnership that we have with you guys, and a longstanding partnership. And you have um, taught us a lot about the experiences of those with metastatic disease, and we're grateful for that. I want to thank Stacy Lewis. Uh, from the Young Survival Coalition, again, a longstanding partner of the cancer support community. And, and uh, we've, we've learned a great deal uh, from both of you and your organizations over the years and are you know, so pleased to be raising awareness with you today uh, of metastatic breast cancer as we approach uh, 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 Metastatic Breast Cancer uh, Awareness Day on October 13th. I want to thank Khadija Carter for being here and, and, and Khadija for sharing your story. And um, again, congratulations on your master's uh, in journalism from Columbia and your work at uh, ebony.com. It's really uh, uh, great to hear, and we, we applaud that, um, that work and that um, uh, hard work that got you to that place. So um, I thank you again for joining. Again, if you're looking for support, uh, we are the Cancer Support Community. You can reach us at cancersupportcommunity.org uh, to find a list of our centers around the country, a lot of great information, educational information, materials. If you want to talk to one of our helpline counselors, you can call us at 888 
800-273-9355. I'm Kim Tiboldo. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.